What's going on, everybody? This is Chase Lee from the Real Me and Cold Movie Podcast, and I wanted to give you guys another update in terms of where everything is at in my life and where this show is going, and if I'm actually going to post any reviews in the future. All those uh, questions, uh, those burning questions that you have on your mind will be answered right now, because I think you guys deserve this uh, at least a month, uh, every month or two, and not every four or five months, because that's not, that's not right. That's not um, that's not courteous. Um, you guys have been on this journey with me for many, many years. And just to, you know, ditch you guys like that uh, for long periods of time, it just, it does irk me. And I, I like to just let you guys know what's going on and be very upfront and honest with you and just uh, everything that's going on. But first of all, how are you guys doing? Uh, I know the world is still chaotic out there, but we're hoping uh, my Joel and myself or just me or Joel or, you know, whatever reviews we want to pop out. We hope to bring this back to you in a more consistent way uh, and j- make it just as entertaining so we can give you guys you know, something to look forward to, to take your mind off of the, the world for you know just a little bit at a time and just provide some entertainment. That's always been my goal uh, ever since I was in film school. I've always wanted to entertain people. I'm glad I've, I have found this avenue of podcasting for, for you all because um, I enjoy doing it. I really, really do. And so does Joel. And so... Um, can't wait to get more into a consistent flow, uh, for you guys, but you know, periodically I'll have these updates and maybe even some reviews down the line. They won't be as consistent like once a week, but maybe once every two or three weeks just depends on what's coming out, what my schedule is like and everything. And just, um, yeah, where, where the movie industry is every single week. Cause it seems like it is constantly changing. But speaking of, um, my schedule, uh, the reason why it is so hard for me to pull out my computer and my microphone and plug everything in, write down the notes and record these things for you guys is because I am drained by the end of the day. I have a job in marketing. It is uh, a very creative job to where it just, that part of my brain is just completely wiped by the end of the day. And I don't want to do much besides just watch anything on TV or, uh, you know, a Blu-ray or whatever to where I don't have to review it and just, I I can just watch it, enjoy it and go to sleep and start over again the next day. But getting into that rhythm in my life, it does leave that void where I do want to still do this for you guys, but it is very, very draining. I'm still trying to find that right balance. Now, my wife and I are almost out of the house that we currently live in. And I've done many, many episodes of this, this show for you guys in this very house. And it's going to be very, very sad to leave. But when we find a new place, it's going to be a new atmosphere. It's going to be this blank canvas of creativity. We get to create this office that we're both going to use. And when I have a space that is, you know, like an office and it is catered to uh, business and creativity and just that um, that grind mentality of of wanting to put something out there for you guys, I I am will be more eager to put these episodes up when we have a new place and uh, it's just something to look forward to like, Oh, got a podcast for you guys. Let me go to the office and go do that real quick. Right now I don't have that. And so uh, I've been doing these in bedrooms and uh, I even recorded an episode in a closet one time. Yeah. I, I just sat on a bunch of clothes and did that. Um, that's how much I love you guys. So yeah, it's um that's the process right now. Uh, we did close on the house. Uh, well, we're, well, Knock on wood, we are very, very close. Uh, we did accept an offer, and so we're just doing kind of last-minute things 
and just kind of prepping it for the the buyer while we try to find like a storage area for some of our stuff and some of the other stuff will go to where we're gonna briefly live before we find a place um also you know just to be kind of upfront with you guys i deal with a lot of stress and anxiety and that really does kind of like handicap me uh when it comes to like my brain and just how it functions and so when i get into that zone or when i feel down you know throughout the day i just i don't want to do much and once again that kind of just it bleeds into this hobby and you know uh it, it just it makes it more like work rather than it uh being fun and i want to get to that point mentally where i i can do this and it could be fun for everyone that wants to listen um, to us because Joel and I don't make any money off of this podcast. We just, we just don't. Um, and so we do it cause we love to talk about movies, but sometimes when that anxiety kind of overrides me throughout the day because work is driving me to that point or just other things in life, you know, with finances or whatever, it's hard to kind of get yourself out of that dark corner. So I deal with that quite a bit. I'm going to go see a therapist um, very, very soon, actually, for the first time. Uh, so hopefully that will kind of like unlock me uh, and try to get to the core of the issues to where I can feel a little bit more passionate about uh, everything in life, uh, whether it be work or my relationships or, you know, um, uh watching movies and reviewing them, just everything. And so maybe I can get over that hurdle. And so I, I'm, I'm willing to put in the work. And, you know, my first session is tomorrow at the time of this recording. So, yeah, I'm hoping to actually um, be a better person at the end of all this and hopefully find, um, you know, everything that I'm looking for and, you know, maybe changing things up for you guys. And uh, that's uh, I'm, it's scary, but it's exciting at the same time. So but once again, this comes down to you guys and how much myself and Joel appreciate every single one of you. You have stuck around throughout this entire journey, and we appreciate it so much. And your patience is super valuable. And um, yeah, you know, just a couple more months, uh, I, I will be in a new place to where I will have just more creative freedom to do this for you guys, and it will it will feel very very nice. Um, but for right now, you guys will get updates and maybe some reviews along the line. But um, I'm hoping summertime, uh, maybe May, May time, um, May or June, um, it, it, things get back to a little bit more uh, consistent um, basis when it comes to this stuff. So just please bear with us. You guys are amazing. And um, that's pretty much it for the update. I didn't really want to dive into this uh, anymore or anything. Um, but... I just, I, I feel really bad. You know, I've, I've been recording here for about seven minutes and I, I haven't done one of these in quite some time. And I think, I think you guys are ready for one. So, you know what? This isn't really an update episode. This is episode 321. Roll the intro. This is episode 321 of The Real Me and Colon, a movie podcast. On this week's episode, Chase is going to take a look at Zack Snyder's Justice League and how it will hold up to its two-hour counterpart. Will this one be better? Is it going to be worse? What am I going to think about it? 
Well, you're just going to have to tune right in. This episode starts right now. And we're back on episode 321 of the Real Man Cold Movie Podcast. And, uh, you know, uh, that Chase guy, you know, he just likes to pull those really dumb pranks. And he pulled a really bad one on you guys. So he is fired. And uh, I am your new host, um, Chad. Just Chad. Um, just Chad. Uh, no, but uh, if Joel was here right now, he would um, he would eye roll. And you're probably thinking, like, how do you... How do you hear an eye roll or how do you see an eye roll if you're just uh, recording through audio and you can't really see each other? Um, Joel would make that happen. He he would make like some weird noise and I would know that he's eye rolling and he would just absolutely think that that joke was just absolutely horrid. And um, I think he uh, would just leave. He would literally just leave the episode and I would have like that uh, door closing sound effect that uh, would be really nice. But uh, <laughs> um no, I, uh, I I have a feeling that the older I get and when my wife and I are starting to have kids, I'm going to have more dad jokes. They're going to get worse. They're going to get cringy. You're going to be embarrassed. And people are going to wonder, why have you chosen this one as your movie review source of information? And you are going to also question it and be like, I don't know. The jokes are awful. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I decided to pull a little prank on you guys, you know, have a little fun, do something different, catch you off guard. And so, uh, yeah, I want to get back into this. And I think, um, uh, my friends, Joel and Brian, they are the ones that kind of, uh, you know, help me, uh, kind of do this one as my kind of first one back. And, uh, I really appreciate that because it is a movie that is worthy to, to talk about. It has been a rumor, uh, something that's been floating around the Hollywood, um, you know, zeitgeist for what is this four four years now? So uh, the Snyder Cut has always lived on the internet, and you know, I never thought it would come down to this day where it would actually be released and we would get to see Zack Snyder's vision. It's insane to me because uh, you know when the the original one came out in 2017, you're thinking to yourself, okay, this is it. Uh, Zack's never coming back, and um, you know, this is the version that we got. And so it's just amazing to me that a four hour long cut of Justice League was released. It's real. I watched it and it was such a myth up until this point. I had to review it for you guys. So, um, yeah, so let's break this thing down. Uh, first, I want to kind of jump into my whole experience with the DCEU, um, uh, is, is that what it is? The DC extent? Yeah, I think it's the DCEU. Guys, there's so many like un universes out there. Like sometimes, sometimes I just forget. Um, but with the DCEU, my experience with it has been pretty interesting because I actually like quite a bit of them. I don't like some of them, and then I'm okay with others. So it's just kind of like a mixed bag. But if you think about it, um, MCU is kind of that way. Uh, I I honestly don't think there's like any horde ones, but there are some that are just okay. There's some that are good. There's some that are great. And I think some of them have reached that pinnacle to where if you were to let me come up with a list of the best ones in the comic book genre, some of them would definitely be in there. But that's just kind of like what you get when you come when it comes down to the comic book genre. You're going to get kind of like a whole just cauldron of um you know uh 
in variety of you know uh, styles of movies, and some of them may work, some of them may not. And so, yeah, I, I think it's kind of all over the place. But I still am always curious on when a a uh, DCEU movie comes out. Uh, and before I break uh, break it down, I do I would like to apologize because I have not done a review or an episode in so long that this will be rusty and um, I'm not looking forward to it. So basically it's going to be like when I did my first, like I would say first hundred episodes of this show. Uh, Cause Joel has listened to them uh, um, kind of back in his, his own time. And uh, he, he has proclaimed that they were pretty bad and I, I don't disagree with them. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how, to record a podcast. I didn't know how the flow would go. I didn't know how the structure would be. And I was all over the place. I didn't know how to have a cohesive thought, uh, say it, and then move on. I would always just ramble. So I'm going to kind of have that kind of old school feeling again um, because I have not done this in a while. So uh, yes, but please bear with me. I did actually write down some notes. So we'll just kind of go from there. So the DCEU, uh, for me, like I said, is a mixed bag. But if we want to talk about Zack Snyder's um, uh, movies specifically, I love Man of Steel. I know it's like the, the controversial thing to say, but I think it's I think it's the best adaptation of Superman there is out there. Um, I've never been a fan of the... Uh, oh, my God. I, I'm blanking on his name. Um... Christopher Reeves, like they were great for its time. I'm sure a lot of people have nostalgic memories about them and they loved watching them as a kid. For me personally, they don't really do it for me. I like what Zack Snyder kind of did in bringing the the grittier kind of very like dark approach to this universe. And I think Man of Steel is fantastic. I love the whole like Krypton setting in the beginning. I love uh, Michael Shannon's over the top performance as Zod. I like the fact that the whole city of Metropolis gets demolished and you, you feel that weight on Superman's shoulders. And this carries throughout his entire journey in these movies, like and in his relationship with his parents, like everything about it, I, I thought was fantastic. And then when I saw that it was getting just annihilated online, I was actually kind of confused. So, you know, films are subjective, right? So like, if that's the way you feel, Great, but like I, I love Man of Steel quite a bit, and it is my favorite interpretation of that character. Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. I thought the theatrical cut was fine to slightly good. Where like there were some great moments in there, but I just really felt like it was disjointed. There was some clunkiness that just didn't sit right with me. And so when they said they were releasing were releasing it in an ultimate edition. It was going to be rated R. It's three hours long, so it was like 40 minutes longer than the theatrical cut. I was like, you know what? I didn't really care for the first round, but let me see how round number two goes. Let me let me see what the redemption looks like for this film. And oh my God, it is a completely different film. And it feels better in terms of pacing, world building, character development, and just the stakes feel higher. So when they get to that battle at the end with Doomsday, it feels more potent. It just, it's a completely different experience. And of course, Zach is no, he is no stranger to director's cuts. Uh, I've never seen the director's cut of Watchmen, but I love Watchmen, the theatrical cut. So I can't even imagine 
how much greater the director's cut is. But Zach is really great at balancing characters and story into a longer format. So when I saw BBS, Dawn of Justice, three hour long R rated cut, I was like, this is so much better. And uh, it, it just adds a little bit more to Superman and Batman and just where their um, ideologies are at and how it's going to carry forward into a Justice League film. So I loved it. And yes, is the Martha thing goofy? I still continue to battle that with myself, but I think as of right now, uh, that is something that doesn't really bother me that much. It's not something to tank the whole movie, even if I didn't really care for that moment. Because I know that was like the thing to make fun of when it came out. Okay. So the two-hour version of Justice League, I hated. I did not think it was it was worthy to live up to the third movie in this storyline. I hated the way it looked because it didn't look like Zack Snyder's movie. Because I even said this when uh, um, when I reviewed it the first time. If you're going to... If a different director is going to take on the project, um, at least make it look like Zack's previous movies because then it's just going to look like it's not a part of that universe. It was super colorful. It was poppy. It looked like candy. And Zack Snyder has saturated colors. They're, he plays a lot with the darks and the grays. And when the, the flashy, colorful stuff comes out, it's more prominent in the scene because that not the whole film looks like that. So it sticks out more and it makes more of an impact in that specific scene. So if you carry that to a third one, that was the bare minimum just to make it look like it. But it looked like it just looked like a discount comic book, very colorful and poppy for kids. And it's just that's not what this vision of this universe has been in Zack Snyder's eyes so far. And so like that annoyed me to no end. And I just thought it was completely um, unsatisfactory when it comes to. Uh, like the climax and Steppenwolf and all that motivations. It just seemed like everything was kind of cut, condensed and shoved into this package to give out to the masses. And it really didn't, it just didn't flow well for me. So like it was a super disappointment for sure. So that's what I'm saying. Like I, I love Man of Steel, love BVS, the, the R rated cut, but Oh my God, that two hour version of justice league the first time around Warner brothers. We've been over this before. BVS extended cut so much better. Please stop hacking movies. So, um, so that's kind of my thoughts on that. And then just, um, uh, to kind of briefly go through the other DCEU movies real quick, suicide squad. I didn't really care for, I liked the first wonder woman. I didn't care for, uh, wonder woman, 1984. Um, Aquaman was fun. Shazam was fantastic. Um, what am I, what am I missing? I think that's it. I'm probably missing something else. And, you know, I'm like looking forward to Shazam 2. I'm looking forward to see what they do with Black Adam. The Flash movie, when it eventually comes out, um, Aquaman 2 should be a lot of fun. And then the Batman, I'm looking forward. So there's a lot of things that I am looking forward to. There's a lot of things. Or the Suicide, the Suicide Squad, the new one, looks so much better than the first one. You, you know, it's goofy and it's silly, but hopefully um, they kind of just go that route instead of like making it semi-serious like the first one. So yeah, I'm kind of all over the place with this universe, but I'm willing to give them all a chance because I'm so passionate about this genre. I love it to death. I love, you know, anything DC uh, wants to put out in uh, Marvel. I just look forward to that stuff. And I will tell you straight up if it's terrible or not. I don't have these rose colored glasses where 
I just think every comic movie is great. That's not the case. I, I have an upper echelon of like, like a top five that I would consider to be like some of the best, not only in this genre, but in this art form as film like that. That's how uh, tight that group is, is that I would only consider like a handful to be up there. But for the most part, these are enjoyable. They de develop these story threads and these worlds that you just you just love to be in so much with these characters that you just want to keep coming back. So that's what I, I kind of think about. And the Justice League and BVS is super important to me. And that's partially the reason why I wanted to do this review. Uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition. Yes, the three hour long cut that is R rated. That was the first movie that my wife and I saw together. Um, uh, we saw it at my apartment at the time. Uh, I didn't know what she was going to think just because... <laughs> I was I was hyped about it. Um, I liked the three hour long cut, but not a lot of people do. So I took a swing and I was like, you know what? Maybe she'll like this. And she ended up loving it. And then Justice League was one of the uh, I think. Yeah, it was the first one we saw in theaters. And so, you know, that's why this franchise is a little bit more important to me than MCU. Uh, this is where I met uh, the love of my life for sure. So with all that said. And the, the myth that the Snyder Cut existed online for the past four years, it, I'm not going to lie. It's been overwhelming. Uh, sometimes when a trend goes on social media, sometimes I um, I get tired <laughs> just looking at the hashtag. And I'm like, guys, it's not going to come out. I appreciate you guys' support for Zach. I like a lot of Zach Snyder movies, but we got to put this to bed. And then it came out that Zach Snyder was going to do it. He was going to take everything that he shot, nothing that Joss Whedon shot, um, and he was going to repurpose it, retool it into the movie that he was going to do. Um, so I, I was kind of shocked when uh, that happened. I was like, wow, Warner Brothers is going to sink in this extra money to a movie that has already come out that they already sunk a lot of money into, and they're going to repurpose it and uh, redux it again. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I, I'm curious to see where it goes. And I wanted to give it another shot because I didn't really like the, the two-hour long cut. So I was like, this has to be better, right? Um, I watched it. It is so much better. And I would even go as far as to stay that it is to the level of what Avengers Infinity War did and Avengers Endgame did on that side of the the coin. I, I thought this was a magnificent film that finally like felt like a third movie in this trilogy and uh, really made an impression on me. Did I watch the full four hours without stopping? No. Uh, I, I'm going to be very honest. I had a lot of bathroom breaks. I want to get some snacks, some drinks. Like I did my thing. So I didn't watch it all the way through, but I didn't like pause it enough to where like, it was like two hours later. It would just be like five, 10 minutes here and there. But I, I watched it in a general afternoon with uh, one of my friends and, you know, we didn't know what to expect, but we're like, we we're both curious. So, um, I went over to his house and we, we did that thing. We did that whole four hour dance. <laughs> Let me tell you. But yeah, I think it is fan. Fantastic. And if you were if you were curious about it or if you were hesitant 
about it because some of the DCEU movies have not really stuck with you or, you know, some of them are like too far good in between. Um, you know, you're just like, I like some of them, but not, I don't, I hate most of them. I don't know if you're going to like this, but I think if you appreciate, you know, BVS and appreciate Man of Steel, but you're not really like ecstatic about them or like you hate them, I still would say give it a shot because it introduces a lot of great things that we had not seen from the two hour cut and really just um, does a whole 180 on the story approach. And it makes uh, for a better film for sure. The one thing I would like to say before I even uh, break this down real quick is that I am kind of annoyed that the ending that we got, while it was it was it was cool, it was intriguing, and it was really exciting to kind of see like another installment. The chances of another installment, at least done by Zack Snyder or continuing his vision is super slim because like a few days after the Snyder cut released on HBO max, the, um, was it the, I, I think it's the CEO. Well, no, it's the president of Warner media. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot her. I like, is it Anne? anyway, she runs the whole division, the whole film division, right? So she came out in an interview saying, like, we're not going to continue this universe. This is a one and done situation. We're moving on. And that does kind of irritate me because when you see the end of this film, it is so bonkers and so crazy. I'm like, I want to see how this Justice League trilogy would have panned out. And unfortunately, we're never, ever, ever going to get that. Well, let me take that back. I wouldn't say never. Don't ever say never on things. But the possibility is very, very slim. And uh, just seeing the ending and the way it played out, I'm like, I, I knew this information going into the movie. So when I watched the movie, I was like, man, whatever ending this is, they're not going to continue it. But I liked what I saw for sure. Uh, but that it, that is something that vastly annoys me. And so I just wanted to get that up front. Uh, that's, that's probably my biggest issue with the film is that, the movie was so great, we are, we're probably not going to get another uh, continuation of this storyline. So, you know, there you have it. Okay, so let's break it down by characters because I think that's the only way to do it when it comes to giant ensemble movies like this. And I think that's how we did like the Avengers reviews and everything. So I think it just makes sense for this because every single um, person, uh, while great individually, also comes together and makes a great team as well. I'm going to start with Zack Snyder. Uh, because I do think he is one of the heroes in this movie. Um, you know, this is his vision, his original intent with the film. Uh, and I think he did a fantastic job. I think, and, and full, uh, just a, a warning, this is full of spoilers. So if you would like to jump out of this episode and come back, you can do that. Or you can possibly skip ahead to the end, maybe for... An end credit scene? I don't know. I'm getting ahead of myself. I shouldn't jump it. Uh, jump ahead. But uh, yes, uh, I'm going to be talking about spoilers. Uh, nothing like too crazy. But if uh, you wanted to see it uh, for yourself and judge it, then uh, you can do just that. So Zack Snyder, uh, like I said, I'm going I'm to kind of start with him first. He started out with the end of BVS. 
in Superman dying uh, when he gets impaled by Doomsday. And so his, his cries echo throughout the world, letting people know that he is gone and even the aliens above us. And so now that the Earth is vulnerable, that the, the greatest superhero and the strongest superhero is gone, that opens up many, many opportunities for aliens to come down and wreak havoc on Earth. And so we have these mother boxes that have been uh, placed in Themyscira, Atlantis, and uh, in the hands of uh, Cyborg's father. So Steppenwolf comes down and tries to, um, you know, find these mother boxes so he can impress Darkseid. In the original, uh, Steppenwolf was this goofy little villain, didn't really have any purpose to him. He was just bad guy, smashy, smashy, uh, Darkseid, you know, this dark side that and so that is the impression that i got in this one it's a completely different shift uh in tone his purpose and the threat level he's menacing he's unhinged and i loved it and his character design is so much better than the original in the original one he looked like a uh like a barbie doll version of an alien uh in this one he's actually uh quite um powerful and like just induces this type of fear into people because he has like this moving armor and his face is a little bit more threatening than um what the previous one was but he's got so much more uh purpose um and and we we finally understand what he's doing with like dark side and his debt to him but that just kind of goes to Zack snyder and that's one of the things i really enjoyed about the way he approached the story is that more of these characters have more development. We care about them more, even the villains. And like, there's just so much more weight to it to where like when the emotional moments happen, there is more impact. There is more time with these characters to let scenes breathe. And that's what Zach does. He lets things breathe. It is four hours long. So you're going to have these scenes where are not from the original that add so much more context to everything that's going on to where when you get to that final battle, the stakes are high and you, you want that emotional intensity to also ring. And for us to actually care about the mission that the justice league members are going on. And Zach does that. So I think the, the world building definitely is enhanced the extension of scenes and just the kind of repurposing certain scenes to happen either before or after certain ones that are you know completely flipped from the original it makes a difference and just like with bvs you can make a movie longer and it's actually better than its shorter counterpart it's the same way here even though this is double the length it is still uh more engrossing and it's better paced because of that because it actually cared about what cyborg was doing or what wonder woman wonder woman was doing you know, uh, some of the, even the smaller things with like some of the, uh, uh, Amazonians, you know, in that whole, uh, mother box raid was more, uh, like substantial than the previous cut. There was more risk and stakes involved with people dying everywhere. And like, you felt that when this alien comes down and like, he's ripping this thing out of people's possessions, there's real threat involved. And so it's it's more of a thrilling experience and like you you worry about these people that are in these situations. 
because Zach lets things breathe. And it just adds so much more richness to the story. You don't even believe it. It's just like when you watch this thing, you're like, I cannot believe that original cut was released in theaters. I, I honestly don't know why. Um, would it be hard to release a four hour long cut in theaters? Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and say like a four hour cut is the way to go. But if you can't do it in theaters then just release it on a streaming site like this, because no one really cares about length when it comes to um, uh, streaming sites, you know, theaters have to make their money. They want better turnaround. So shorter movie means more throughout the day. Like I get that. It's a whole business thing. But in terms of this piece of, you know, creative that, that Zach has bestowed upon us, the four hour long cut is worth it. I, and I just thought everything was just way more extended and it had more purpose. And I, I felt for, just a little bit, everyone a little bit more than I did the original cut. Is every scene, is every scene worth it? Um, I think Lois Lane and uh, Ma Kent, I think take the back seat in terms of uh, everyone in this movie. I, I'm kind of iffy on their their presence in the movie, but it's honestly not that much to where it had to have been maybe 10 minutes worth. It's not like, it's not like um, a, a distraction or anything, but I do think they're the ones that get sidelined the most. Um, but it's not, it's not like their scenes are, are just flat out like weird or like they don't really mix well. It's just like, I wish there was a little bit more maybe, or maybe you just take them all together. I don't know what the strategy is, but that's kind of how, how I felt about it. There was a tad bit, uh, too much slow-mo and you're like okay that's Zack Snyder's theme but you can you can overdo it <laughs> uh that is a thing and then I also think the music cues to Wonder Woman were a bit distracting every single time she came on screen I think I counted like four or five times that happened um I think like the first time when she comes on when we first see her in combat for the first time would have been really great and epic but um those music cues were, <laughs> were a tad annoying but honestly Nitpicks, 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 nitpicks. Everything else that Zach did on this um, four hour long cut was fantastic. And the last thing I want to say before I get into the actual characters, um, Zach's color palette's back. And, and it, it, it blends in well with Man of Steel and BVS to make a cohesive uh, looking visual treat for all of us. And uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, I also thought it was very, very touching that Zach uh, dedicated this to his daughter. Um, that is the reason why he left the set the first time um, his daughter committed suicide. And uh, I, I thought it was really touching when he said for autumn at the end of the film. And he also had a suicide prevention kind of like billboard uh, slash hotline number displayed in the movie uh, to also just bring awareness to the whole thing. So I, I thought that was quite touching. So, Zach, thank you, sir, uh, for getting your hands back on this and doing what uh, you were set out to do four years ago. Let's talk about the characters. Cyborg gets so much more screen time, and I would even say that he is the main character in this film. Uh, there's a lot more development uh, with his character and his father and his family. Ray, Ray Fisher brings it. Like I, I just really enjoyed the subtlety of his performance especially like when he goes through all of the emotional trauma that he goes through just him holding it back 
knowing that he has to keep doing the right thing and be a hero, but also fight the struggles of, you know, his dad not being there when he was a kid or, you know, um, his mom dying and how that he, how he is directly, uh, affiliated with that. It's just, there's so much baggage on this man's shoulders that he's just trying to do what he thinks is right. And, you know, cyborg is like this, this AI that can hack into the internet and hack into any type of system. And like, he's so, um, efficient with his his abilities and like there's even one really nice scene where like he helps his family um because they don't have like any funds in their bank account and he he like hacks into the system to give them money and like i think that's i you know people could argue about the morality of it but it's such a nice thing that he's using his powers to like help people out there like that uh that need it the most and just so much complexity i just i loved his character and i really do hope that ray comes back even in, in the Mist of all the the Warner Brothers drama around this movie and the lawsuits and the allegations, it's really horrid stuff. But um, maybe if Zach is uh, back in some way, shape, or form, maybe Ray can come back because I do think he's a great cyborg and it's such a gr- it's such a strong start for that character. I would love to see where uh, he goes. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a. a a fantastic character. Uh, so that will uh, do it for my first uh, break here. Um, I do have a recording time limit on um, the Anchor app. So tune in uh, for part two of the Justice League, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League movie breakdown. Uh, I'll see you guys in a second. Welcome back to my part two review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And now in the previous part, I got uh, to talk about Zack Snyder and just how he was able to complete his vision. And then of course, Cyborg is uh, the main character and just how he got the most screen time and how it was so effective and such a complete turnaround. Um, it was really great to talk about. So now let's talk about everyone else in the Justice League, including the famous uh, nightmare scene that Zack Snyder filmed with Batman and the Joker. So speaking of Batman, um, I think Batman, I think just like Superman, he's kind of sidelined a little bit. There is that kind of like weight on his shoulders from the previous film, how he feels guilty and he wants to get rid of that guilt by getting all these people to fight, um, you know, uh, someone that's, you know, bigger than themselves. And he wants to do right by that because he feels like Superman's death is, is his fault. And so there's just so much burden on that man's shoulders. And Alfred can even see it in the movie um, that he wants to correct his mistake. And so that's his kind of like main driving force behind this film. And so I think as a, as a leader, he he's, he's good. Um, but that is his main mission. But I mean, that's why we kind of got, you know, Batman V Superman. We got that kind of like juicier storyline with both of those characters and just their thought process and their ideology and just, all that with them to where like, you know, him being in this movie, doing what he does. It's um, like I said, it's, it's fine. He does what he's supposed to do. He is the leader of the group. He's got to make those tough decisions and he must, um, you know, be at the top of his game. So in that regard, I think uh, it, it was a good character and uh, Ben Affleck. I still, I, I still personally like him as the best Batman. Yes. Yes. I know. Controversy, controversy. Um, Michael Keaton is is really great as well. I grew up pretty much on the Christian Bale ones because I was 15 when Batman Begins came out. I was 18 when The Dark Knight, and then I was 22 when The Dark Knight Rises. So Christian Bale was kind of like my 
Batman, I, I grew up with in my teenage years. You know, Michael Keaton's first one came out a year before I was born. Returns came out when I was two. My parents were not going to let me watch, you know, Dane DeVito in a slimy penguin costume running around torturing people in Gotham. That was just not going to happen. So I watched Batman Returns and, of course, been like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin when I was, you know, like six or seven. And, and I still think Batman Returns is the best one out of, um, you know, those four that kind of came out. And then, um, you know, the Christian Bale ones and now here we are. But I, I do like Ben Affleck's kind of interpretation of it where he's just kind of like this old grizzled Batman. He has seen some stuff to where when he is turned to the dark side a little bit and he ends up killing people. I mean, that was one of the controversial things about his character and Batman's whole kind of presence in the comic book world is that he does not kill people. Ben Affleck's character or his interpretation of it, he kills him. And, you know, if he, if he feels like this person uh, cannot be rehabilitated, he will snap their neck or he will punch them in the face until they bleed to death. And that's just what he does. And that's what he wrestles with. And I think that's, it's just another great layer for this um, version of Batman that we've really never seen before. And I think that's quite, it's, it's interesting. And, you know, I like it when they can kind of change the game a little bit for these characters not have the same type of character over and over again. So that, that's just me personally, but I do think Ben Affleck is my, my personal favorite. Now I'm very, very curious to see where Robert Pattinson goes. He is also a phenomenal actor. Aquaman. Um, I do think the burden of Aquaman's powers and just his abilities are definitely more present in this one. You know, there's a scene where he's rescuing a guy from a ship and like he drags him along the shore. He slaps him on a bar table and he tells the bartender, like, give me a whiskey. And like, that's all I need to know about this character is that he doesn't mind helping people, but also he feels like, um, these people that are making these like same mistakes when they go out to the, the water like this, when they, he even said, like, there's a storm out there. Like, you shouldn't have done that. It irritates him. And that would irritate me, too. So that's why he's kind of like, he's just tired of doing this. Um, and we can definitely tell at this point that he's been doing this for quite some time. Because, and of course, in Aquaman, we get, like, kind of the initial initial stages of him becoming Aquaman. And then, uh, you know, kind of the beginning stuff. And then he we see him kind of wear the suit and everything. So in Justice League, he's still kind of, like, finding his footing um, but he's the type of character where he's also dealt with a lot of trauma to where he doesn't really want to he doesn't want to save people, but he has these abilities to where he knows that he has, once again, from the, the Spider-Man phrase, great power comes great responsibility. He knows that there's a, an inkling of him that needs to do this, but he's hesitant. And uh, throughout the whole movie, he's kind of like that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think uh, just providing that that weight of that responsibility on his shoulders is where it really, um, you know, um, makes me kind of appreciate him a little bit more. Let's start with the flash or not start. <laughs> uh, my brain is dead. Apparently I haven't been doing this for the past like hour and a half. Uh, so the flash, so the scenes with his father are extended a little bit more. And, um, I, I do like Billy Crudup as, as the dad, but he will be replaced by Ron Livingston. So it will be, um, uh, weird to see a actor replacement, but the father and son scenes, which is actually a, a main theme throughout this entire film because cyborg and his father and that relationship. And of course the um, relationship that Superman has always had with his dad is uh, something that has been carried from man of steel. And of course with uh, the relationship that Bruce Wayne has with his father is carried from BVS. 
And then uh, with Wonder Woman finding, you know, not really knowing like who her father was and her movie and finding that out. So the kind of father relationship has been, been very, very potent. And then of course with like Pa Kent with his current dad, very potent in this, this type of storytelling. And it's, it's, you know, display here in the flash and cyborg. Um, but with the flash and his father scenes, really great because he's just a kid he's really smart he's really great at what he does but he's still trying to figure out everything as well uh, and his dad just you know kind of pushes him in that right direction to you know be something greater than yourself and so at the end of the movie when the climax happens what first of all i forgot to mention in the Zack snyder section the whole third act the whole climactic battle between uh the league and steppenwolf chef's kiss i cannot believe how much better it is than the original cut it's just it's so much more dangerous and just thrilling to watch. Like it's just, it's just incredible. Cause like there is a point where they almost lose and I, I won't say, you know what it is. I know this is a spoiler kind of review, but I kind of want to keep that, that one a little bit hidden when flash has to be used at the end of the film. It is quite stunning. And I, I absolutely loved just his whole entire arc. And then getting to that point where like, he literally saves the world. <laughs> it's just, it's really incredible. And he, he kind of realizes his, his, his purpose in that moment. And it's also uh, quite beautiful. So yeah, I think uh, Ezra Miller as the flash, uh, he definitely um, wasn't as jokey jokey in this one. Yes. There are some jokes that he says, but it's not as much of a distraction as the two hour long cut. So there's that. Thank God. So um, yeah, I think Flash, great addition. And, you know, let's see what happens with this movie. Wonder Woman in this one. I actually like Zack Snyder's interpretation of Wonder Woman thus far in terms of the three movies that we've got. Well, I guess technically four because he wasn't or she wasn't BVS. And now she's in this one. And that was directed by Zack Snyder. And of course, the first two Wonder Woman movies were directed by Patty Jenkins. And I kind of like this uh, interpretation. Zach really focuses on the warrior aspect. Like she is, she's rough. She is gritty. She just gets down in there and just kicks all types of butt. And I just, I love it. And so, you know, and I think what fuels her the most is losing Steve Trevor. I mean, that's very obvious, especially when you get to Warner Woman 1984 and we have that whole creepy, like <clears throat> Chris Pine thing. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I've always known that like losing the love of her life like that has really kind of fueled her and motivated her to really just kind of um use that anger and that grief and that loss into protecting the world and you know she's also uh really uh really smart when it comes to art um you know she's working in that kind of like museum he really she knows what she's doing like i don't know she's such a strong character and i i i like what zach has done with her um, in the two, uh, movies that he has had her in. So, you know what? I had doubts on Gal, Gal Gadot, you know, before she got, uh, hired on. Cause I was like, Oh, the fast and furious actress, like, Ooh, this is going to be great. But no, she proved me wrong. She's, she's definitely, um, had some stumbles, especially with her sequel, but I, I think she is a great wonder woman. And I just, I liked her version in this movie and in BVS. And I really hope she can continue that going forward whether it be in Wonder Woman 3 or whenever they do the next team-up movie. So Superman is, once again, barely in this. Just like with the two-hour-long cut, he doesn't come along until like the last like 20, 30 minutes. Uh, rightfully so. Spoilers from BBS, he is dead. 
<laughs> and just like at the beginning of uh, this movie, uh, just to reiterate that. But when he comes back, he, you know, he's doing his thing. He's got his black suit on um, and he comes in uh, to save the world at the right moment because he is battling on what he should do because he doesn't know what he should do because like his brain is a little off when he's uh, reincarnated. Um, or not reincarnated because that's not the correct word because they um, jump or they jumpstart his own body. But when he comes back, he's not fully there and he is, he's got like evil tendencies. So um, especially when we discuss the nightmare sequences and stuff, you can definitely tell he's going to go down a dark path. So, you know, in the movie and justice league, he, you know, confronts with his mom and Lois and everything. And like, he doesn't know what to do. And they kind of push him into that, that hero direction once again, but we do know that like later on down the road, things are not going to end up well. But I think overall, um, Henry Cavill does a good job. It's not like, you know, um, you see this movie for Superman. If you're a Superman fan and you want to watch the Justice League for that, in hopes that Zack Snyder extended his stuff, that is not the case. But I, I don't think Henry Cavill does a, a horrible job. The whole mustache uh, scenario, because that was also one of the controversies when the first one came out. They he had to come back do reshoots. He was doing Mission Impossible at the time. Um, Paramount told him not to shave it off because like they might have had to do reshoots um, for that one as well. So they digitally removed it for Justice League, and it looked like he had a gummy bear mouth, and it was bad. But in this one, his mouth is fine. Um, uh, that's probably your number one concern. Like, is Henry Cavill's mouth fine in this one? <laughs> so uh, yeah, Superman, good and. You know, it's the same amount of time as like uh, the first Justice League, but it's more about the rest of the members in the group. So let's talk about the baddies real quick. Steppenwolf, like I said, better character design. He's more menacing. He's unhinged. He's kind of uh, a loose cannon. Don't know what he's going to do. And you understand where he's coming from. Uh, and this one a little bit better because he has interactions where we get to find out that he's got a lot of debts that he owes to Darkseid and he has to like conquer so many planets it's like a lot of planets, um, but um, Earth uh, was going to be one of them because that's where the mother boxes were uh, kind of dropped off in the war that they described a little earlier in the movie. And so if he, he feels like if he he got these mother boxes and he impressed Darkseid by, um, you know, finally getting Earth and the mother boxes and everything like this would be on Darkseid's good side, maybe reduce his sentence a little bit because he's pretty much in jail at this point. Uh, and Darkseid's the warden and he has to go kind of uh, prove himself and reduce his, his sentencing basically. But yeah, I thought Steppenwolf was such a, such a better interpretation this time around. And my favorite aspect about it was the movable armor that was constantly just kind of like flickering around him and it could adapt to whatever environment he was in. Just wonderful stuff because you know, at that point he's like a T 1000 and he, he's just terrifying because you don't know what he's going to morph into or what, what type of thing he's going to have on his armor. That's going to like help him and give him an advantage. You just don't know. Once again, he's a wild card, a loose cannon. Um, and so that's why I kind of liked him. He's definitely more threatening. So a great villain for sure. And then the final person I want to talk about is, is dark side. We don't get that much. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, but the scenes that we do get, he's, you know, he's there. He's, He's the the powerful entity that they're going to have to fight um, in these Justice League sequels that we're never going to get. But um, yeah, I like him. I like his voice. It, it's got that bass to it. It's grovelly. Um, you know, he speaks with presence and power, and you just you get that 
that sense of fear when he speaks to you, like you need to respect him type of deal. And he has a completely different, because I know a lot of people are going to bring up like, oh, he's just like Thanos ripoff. Well, first of all, Darkseid was the first one in the comics before Thanos. So Thanos would be a ripoff of that. But yes, in the movies, Thanos was first. Um, but their ideologies are completely different. So Thanos wants to wipe half of everything. Um, Darkseid is more of like, I want to enslave everyone um, and I am their God type of deal to where he um, he doesn't want to kill anyone. He well, he technically wants to like kill your soul and like your your being, but keep your husk of a body um, to be mind controlled and kind of do whatever he wants. So that's kind of like the main difference, um, which is still just as terrifying. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what the. Uh, um, the parademons are the, the things that fly around in the movie. Like they're, they're actual like beings or people that were, uh, turned into a dark side slave. And so, uh, that is the main difference, but yeah, he, he's menacing. He, he does his thing. Um, but unfortunately we won't get any more of him. And if we do, it's not going to be Zack Snyder's kind of vision. So I don't know if like the voice is going to change or, um, anything about the story progression, but yeah, it's, he's not in it that much. He just kind of sets it up. It is what it is. Let's talk about those nightmare sequences because Darkseid is also responsible for a lot of these kind of like flash forward sequences where we see him killing many members of the Justice League. He is taking over Earth. He has turned Superman against the League uh, to where Superman is just like this guy that will literally take on anything and do anything that um, Darkseid uh, instructs him to do. Once again, this dystopian, terrifying situation that the Justice League members have found themselves in. Uh, but in these nightmare sequences, like, you know, Batman is leading the charge and he's got Flash with them and Cyborg and Flash is even wearing that costume that um, you see him wearing in BVS when he pokes through the uh, other side of the that dimension. Uh, and he warns Bruce like, hey, get the team together, yada, yada, yada. So that's where that kind of connects and comes from. But yeah, the nightmare sequences are, are great. I, I loved them in BVS. Like they really provide this kind of eerie world um, that just uh, is really scary to be in. But you're also kind of intrigued. You're like, man, I want to kind of see them like interact in this world. I want to see how they they survive. I want to see how they do everything. Um, so yeah, I think the nightmare sequences are easily out of both movies, BVS and this, my favorite, my favorite thing, just because it provides this uh, imagination what the future is like and like, you know, what would go on, like who's going to be teaming up with who. Um, and then we get to the, the nightmare sequence that is with Batman and Joker. Now this was actually shot for the reshoots. This was one of the ones that they actually, um, just did completely to throw in the movie once again, because it's towards the end of the movie. Uh, so if that's where you were looking for, it's towards the end, such a great cliffhanger, such a great cliffhanger that we're never going to get. And it's just so frustrating. Anyways, the scene itself, um, Batman and Joker are talking. They, they do their thing. They have the dialogue exchange where, you know, Joker just seems kind of radical and kind of ridiculous, but also like he's making sense. Like he's like, you know, you know, uh, kind of telling Batman, like this, this seems like a, a, the type of scenario that we're not going to survive from. And he's, you know, really kind of getting in Batman's head. And of course, Batman is like, shut the F up. 
that was where one of the F-bombs was because I think there was three of them in the movie. Uh, so that was fun. Um, but anyways, yeah, it, it was a really great exchange. And what I would like to see, what I would like to see more of Ben Affleck and uh, Jared Leto interact as the Batman and Joker? Absolutely. Are we going to get it? Probably not <laughs> ever again. Um, but yeah, it was it was very strange to see um, kind of Joker on Batman's side and like how Batman is kind of desperate at this point because he needs to find people that aren't either turned into parademons or have been been killed by dark side. And so it is a very strange group of people that you are left with at the end. But um, also I just, I'm curious like, cause the interaction that he has with Joker and seeing where the scene ends off and just the, uh, the atmosphere and just the, the setting. It's just, I am so curious on how they were going to deliver that uh, into future installments and kind of how they were going to wrap this story up. Like once again, I don't think we're going to get this. I don't, I think one of the, Warner brother um, president of the film division. She has clearly said that they are not going to move on from this universe. So yeah, it it is what it is. Um, But yeah, I do. I do like the nightmare sequences. Um, Once uh, someone pointed this out on Twitter and Ben Affleck lost so much weight when he put his cowl on for the end nightmare sequence, it is a bit loose (laughs) um, because he, he lost a lot of weight and they, they had that to fit him when he was at his buffest. So I thought that was kind of funny because now that I think about it and I replay that scene, I'm like, oh yeah, there was like some gaps in his cheek and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's just a little, little fun tidbit. But yeah, the, those sequences are fantastic. And just once again, irritated. Um, so yes, I really enjoyed this film. Is it on the same level as Infinity War and Endgame for the DCU standard? Absolutely. I, I think um, they really crafted their level of an Avengers um, two part kind of epic story, and they condensed it into one. Now, obviously, the the combined runtime of like Endgame and Infinity War I think is like five and a half hours, but I mean four hours is pretty close. Um, but yeah, I think uh, this was well worth it. I I want them to continue this universe. I would be more than happy if they announced like, hey, Zack Snyder's coming back to finish his Justice League trilogy. It's only going to be on HBO Max, but it's not going to go to theaters, but whatever. Or um, some variant of that where like uh, he's he's more hands-on into like the Wonder Woman movies or Flash or just, just as long as Zack is welcome and a part of these projects, I think um, I think I think they're going to nail it. And I, I'd be uh, really ecstatic to uh, watch any of these installments if he's a part of it. But if not, I'll still give them all a chance. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a really great wrap-up of his trilogy. So if this is all we're getting, then you know what? It is what it is. Um, but I, I do wish we had a little bit more. I, I, I'm comfortable giving this one like an A, you know, if I had to throw it. And that's also another thing. You guys let me know out there if you want to con- me to continue the grading. I don't really... Honestly, I don't really care about the grades anymore. I just want to kind of talk about them, the good and the bad. Um, but I, I think honestly, besides some of the nitpicky things I, I said a little bit earlier about some of the choices uh, with some characters and some of the um, uh, directing choices, I, I I love this one. It's it's fantastic. So give it a watch. It is broken up into six parts. So if you can't do the full four hours in one sitting, that is totally fine. Just break it up into six parts. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really great, guys. So that is my review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. So 
um, that will do it for this re review. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'll go ahead and just end it here. And I don't know when the next review is going to come up. Wait, hold on. Oh, guys, I, I'm always forgetting stuff. It kind of irritates me that I always keep forgetting. But comic book movies usually end on in credit scenes, right? Like they usually have something at the end of the movie where, you know, just get you hyped up um, to see uh, what's next. Uh, maybe I should do it for this episode. Um, yeah, yeah. Let me let me do it for this one. Um, let me let me think here. What what would be a good end credit scene for this episode of the Real Men Cold Movie Podcast? Ah, uh, okay. I th I think I got it. Um, Wandavision has come out. I've watched all nine episodes. Let's talk about it. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the bonus content of this episode. You know, I just keep throwing curveballs at you guys. So, you know, I wanted to keep it up and uh, do a second one. So, you know, WandaVision has, uh, has came, is conquered, and it dominated all of conversation on Friday when it dropped each every in every single episode. It was a delight to see everyone come up with theories and just get really involved with this show. I mean, I... Uh, did this with my wife where we woke up every single Friday morning and that was our kind of ritual for the two month, uh, like a little over two month, uh, you know, that I had on Disney plus. So we looked forward to it and I looked forward to it cause I'm a, I'm a huge fan of these characters and this universe and just to see where everything could go post in game. Cause that's always the big question when something that big happens in this story, where do you go from there? What, what are the characters doing? What kind of, you know, psychological, um, thing are they going through post probably the most traumatic thing that they've experienced thus far and now we got our answer with wanda and vision so um yeah i just i love this show i i think uh, all, all nine episodes are great um you know the people that are disappointed because they're like their theories didn't like you know come to fruition i don't know what to tell you there but um i thought it was satisfying and usually when you come up with theories and stuff, if it doesn't uh, end up to be true or nothing really happens with uh, that theory that you kind of projected in your head, sometimes it can taint your viewing experience. But I always, you know, have fun with these theories, but I never, you know, think a show is awful if it doesn't um, deliver on those fantasies that I have come up with in my head. So I just kind of roll with it. I have fun with it. But was it completely different than, you know, kind of theories that, you know, myself and my friends like came up with absolutely. But I still think as an overall um, look into the grievance process from Wanda, I thought it was extraordinary. So, you know, to start out with uh, each character here, you know, I thought Wanda just added more depth to her character than we've ever seen before. And I even think this is the best performance that Elizabeth Olsen has had as this character, you know, going through the, the stages of grief with, you know, denial and anger and acceptance and all that stuff. It was just great to kind of see this arc and this transformation within her, you know, really kind of dabbling in the gray zone the entire time she's on this show. You know, she has held a city hostage and she's got all their minds warped to, you know, be a part of this fantasy as she goes through uh, the loss of the love of her life. It is downright 
sad and terrifying at the same time because she is dipping into that villainous territory. So she is in the gray zone because we're still rooting for her in the end. Like we want her to be better. We want her to let go and, uh, and move on. Never forget the memory of vision, but always, you know, just move forward knowing that he's going to be by her side at all times. And, and, you know, uh, in her head and along that journey with her, he's just not physically there, but she does everything in her power to make sure he is. And that is where the terrifying thing comes in because, she cannot be controlled. She is a loose cannon. And so, you know, that's where kind of like the complexity of this, this kind of development with her happens is that she's kind of all over the place, but like she ends up choosing the path of, you know, evil at the end and, you know, kind of really making us worried as audience members on how she is going to break the multiverse and she's going to go insane. And it's just, it's really, really sad to watch. It, it is definitely a, very sad love story at the heart of this entire thing. Um, but I thought the performances in particular really sold us on this, this world in this story and Elizabeth Olsen killed it as Wanda. And also she's super funny on the show. She's got great comedic timing and so does Paul Bettany as vision. So like them bouncing off one one another already have the chemistry of like romance, but like they're just really great as comedic performers. So uh, Wanda, uh, performance wise and character wise was just fantastic. And just, just seeing her growth and getting the name Scarlet, Witch finally, it was all fantastic. Oh yeah. By the way, this is going to be spoilers. Uh, <laughs> so just let you know. Okay. Vision. Um, Paul Bettany once again, does a fantastic job as vision. Really the, the slow delivery, the Android, um, you know, speaking, you know, philosophy driven, powerful avenger that he is he's just a great character to watch and also with the the humor like i mentioned with wanda he's also really funny um and he's doing two parts here you know he's got white vision and he's got uh regular vision and this regular vision is not even real vision it's just a a projected interpretation of vision because it comes from wanda herself uh so a part of her is in that version of vision but then white vision is terrifying he's threatening he's like the t-1000 he can kind of just uh, be impervious to pain and he just kind of like busts through any situation like a like a stray bullet um he is absolutely uh scary in that regard but yeah i thought uh um with vision just how that kind of left off and where white vision may go in the future because he's still out there and just paul bettany's involvement it just makes this whole uh character he's just wonderful um agatha harkness <sighs> Good old Catherine Hahn. She is a delight. She is a treasure in this industry. And it's just so amazing to see her growth uh, from when I first saw her, which was in 2008. And I saw this woman pee in a urinal in a movie and good old stepbrothers. And so just to see how what she has done in every single project that she tackles and just the diverse roles that she has taken throughout the years is just absolutely astounding. And I just have so much respect for her. But I'm glad that she's going to be still be in this universe because technically Agatha is still alive. And so I'm hoping they kind of use her uh, in the future, especially to be someone to combat with Wanda and able to bring her down uh, because you're going to need a witch um, to to take on uh, Wanda when she busts open the multiverse and all that stuff. And uh, Agatha could be a good person to help um, with that solution. 
The kids involved in the show, uh, good old Wiccan and Speed, uh, Vision and Wanda's kids, uh, they were they were fine. They were uh, decent little performers, and they had you know fun banter with one another, and they looked like they could uh, hold their powers up pretty well. Um, and then, of course, the kids' voices are, are heard at the end of the end credit scene where Wanda is uh, Astra projecting herself, uh, cleaning this cabin, but then we see her reading through the book, and we can hear her kids possibly in a different you know, dimension, multiverse, whatever. So that will be interesting to see where those kids will go. As, but as far as the performances and just their characters, like they were, they were fine. They were enjoyable to watch for sure. Good old Pietro Maximoff, um, played by Evan Peters. Uh, yes, he ended up just being a boner joke, Ralph Boner. But um, I thought he was a fun addition to the show. Definitely Mar- Marvel trolling us a bit because he has nothing to do with the actual Quicksilver or the X-Men character, or just any type of like, dimension bending or you know is he from a different multiverse like no none of that he was literally just a boner joke uh so definitely marvel doing a little trolling on their part but i still enjoyed his presence there even though it wasn't like you know anything crazy uh he was still fun to watch and of course uh sword uh monica jimmy woo and darcy they are all kind of lumped in on the other side of this like bubble hex thing that wanda's got everyone trapped in they are on the outside kind of filling us in on what's going on uh darcy's edition's fine uh, i've never really been a huge fan of her in like the thor films or anything but she um she was fine in this and she provided a lot of uh great background information for the audience members and everything jimmy woo was fun randall park does such a great job as his character um his first introduction in ant-man of the wasp was funny he was great here and like he he could be a nice like kind of uh, threading character in all of these movies where you're just like, that's, that's agent Wu right there. That's, that's, he's, he's great. So, um, and then Monica Rambeau, and then of course, like with sword and like just their kind of presence in this universe. Great. I want to see more of it. I can't wait to see Monica Rambeau go up into space because at the end of this show, there was a, uh, a scroll, um, that revealed themselves uh, as a, FBI agent, like they switched and they're just like, you just need to come with me to space. And of course, Monica uh, is the daughter of Captain Rambo from, you know, the, the Captain Marvel films. And it's going to be interesting to see where she goes because uh, in WandaVision, she kind of got her origin story with her powers. So she's not really human anymore. Uh, she is a super powered being. And um, I'm, I'm curious to see where she goes. But I love that that character, that performance. Uh, Monica Rambeau for the win. And it was interesting to see her go through the blip and come back in that hospital scene. That was really harrowing stuff. It's just like um, uh, the first time we saw people come back from the blip. Um, it has been used in a comedic context like Spider-Man Far From Home, but it's absolutely terrifying to see people just come back not knowing where they're at, scared, terrified, all that stuff. And so she really sold that scene. It was fantastic. But yeah, I uh, I have no idea where this story is going to go. Um, this is a three-part storyline with uh, this one kind of being the, the appetizer, if you will. And then Spider-Man No Way Home is like the main course. And then, of course, um, um, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness will be kind of the, the hefty dessert that will end up this three-course uh, meal. And uh, I'm excited to see where it goes because obviously... Um, her reading this book that she got from Agatha Wanda will definitely go off the deep end. So I'm just wondering how far she will go. Uh, how many dimensions will she bust open and multiverses and what's going to pour out into this universe? 
all those questions uh, have my imagination run wild and just with excitement to see where it can go. And speaking of that, um, this is something I kind of thought of. I'm wondering if they're going to use this storyline to introduce the mutants. Maybe when she busts open the multiverse, maybe she busts open a hole into some dimension that has mutants and they pour onto Earth. And maybe at the end of Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, we see like a Wolverine type character, a Magneto or someone in the X-Men that we all recognize kind of walk on the screen. That's kind of the end credit scene or who knows? I have no idea. But you can bet that Kevin Feige has thought of the multiverse as a viable option to introduce the mutants and have them just kind of bust open. So I don't know if that's exactly what they're doing. Um, it's just a, a guess, but that would be a pretty good option to do that if you're working the X-Men into this universe somehow. So we'll see what they actually do with it. But um, and the last thing I want to say uh, technically about WandaVision is the cinematography and production design and the costuming. It's absolutely outstanding, really just kind of capturing each decade as it were in the TV shows that they're um, kind of mimicking, just sublime stuff. And I really hope like um, when the Emmys come around, I don't know if they actually have like production design or whatever, but like they need to be in the forefront uh, for that, that award for sure. Um, and really, creating the the score to accompany said shows and like the the color palettes and the cinematography and the way it it busts from four three to sixteen nine it's just it's so great and it's just that that attention to detail makes wandavision more just inviting into that world and really just kind of sucks you into the time period that they're trying to um trying to do so yeah i really i really enjoyed that. that was probably my favorite aspect about the show for sure but yeah, I, I love the show quite a bit. I'm uh, excited to see where uh, all these shows go, because right now at the time of this recording of this podcast, Falcon and Winter Soldier are on episode two, and uh, I'm really loving that one so far. They want That one kind of dives more into PTSD and just kind of the um, government kind of conspiracy side of things where like it's just it's so shocking to me. I'm not going to spoil anything on that one. I need to see the whole thing in context, but just seeing another Captain America person the government's trying to push and like everyone's just cool with it and like it's just so shady and i just i hate all of it it's just, it makes me so angry but yeah it's a really great show so far so i'm excited to see where all these shows go because with wandavision coming this strong out of the gate and what i've seen so far in falcon and winter soldier give it all to me i, I love it all so yeah love wandavision check it out let me know what you think of wandavision and Zack snyder's justice league down below um, so that will do it for this episode, guys. I really do appreciate um, sticking around with all of us this this whole time and just trusting us and being patient with us. You guys are the actual rock stars, and uh, I appreciate and love every single one of you. Um, I don't know when the next review is going to come out. Don't want to promise anything, and, and then that date comes along and nothing happens, and people get frustrated. I don't want to do that to you guys. So, you know, when it happens, it happens, and I'll just post up something. But hopefully when we move and we have more of a consistent like office and feel feel and everything and I feel more those creative juices flowing, I will definitely uh, post up more stuff for you guys. But um, as right now, it's going to be sporadic and uh, just the just continue to be patient and uh, I will do my best to hurry up on uh, having more of a consistent schedule. But I'm hoping you enjoyed this one, this update fake out <laughs> that was actually episode 321. So that will do it for this episode, guys, of uh, the Real Man Cole in the Movie podcast. I'm Chase Lee. Please spread this episode around. Let people know 
Uh, Real Man is your favorite movie review podcast out there. Uh, and that will do it. Take care, everyone. You guys are awesome. Bye-bye.